Welcome back to the Bigger and Hunters podcast. Your host, Hunter Dydle. Today, we've got a very, very, very special podcast. It's very special to me because I've got to sit down with Steve Hogan, the president of the Hunter Hogan Foundation. It was built out of uh, the life and legacy of Hunter Hogan. Uh, he was a Marine that was killed in action in Afghanistan. Um, for the story that I, the stories I've heard, man, he he was a legend. So uh, they put on hunts for veterans, and they also give out rodeo scholarships. That's what the foundation does. Um, and if you're looking to get involved quickly, actually, Saturday, September 17th at Fox Hollow Golf Course, they've got a golf scramble. They're put or they're they're doing. Uh, check-ins at 7 a.m. They do a silent auction at noon if you don't like to golf, and then 6.30, there's a concert. Come, get connected, be part of the community, because that's really what the foundation is really trying to build as a community here. So that's uh, that's part. We'll get in more into the podcast, but uh, check out the website under Hug it, Hunter Hogan Foundation, and then be a part of the foundation. Give back. So you can also do- donate on the website if you don't want to give time-wise, but you can get financially. So before we get rolling in the podcast, today's episode is brought to you by Ben Page. Um, we talked to him a few weeks ago. He's very, very big on conservation. I really respect the guy. I know I've talked to him in the past, but there's something we talked about on the podcast that needs to be advertised. He has released his first book, Your First Deer Hunt. Uh, it's a children's book. It's all built around trying to get children exposed to our conservation model and what it means. A lot of, you know, a lot of media sources or the social media really tries to pin us and say they're, they're innocent animals. And then, you know, you got the Disney animals that personifies animals and tries to make them lifelike. No, it's like we hunt and we also give back. And these are the ways we can give back. And this is even just outside of, you know, buying our licenses. These are things that we can do in order to preserve our wild, wildlife moving forward. So that's more, way more important today than it has ever been in the past and is going to continue to be one of the biggest things, especially for the American conservationists, but just if you're a hunter in general and really even a sports shooter, like this is something you should care about. So go and check it out. I know he's got a couple more water, uh, waterfowl identification and then our conservation model that he's planning on, uh, releasing as well. Ages two to five. This is a great way guys. We got Christmas coming up. This is a great, great, great gift for kids. And this is actually something I plan on giving too. So check out the website, foulfront.com and get you a book, man. Here's the other thing. The last, last thing I'm going to say, 10% of these purchases go back to conservation. He kicks it right into a conservation fund. So what, what more could you be? You know, what, what, what more can you ask for? So, all right, guys, let's go ahead and jump into the podcast. Steve Hogan, this is a fun one.
Welcome back to the Bigger Hunters podcast. Your host Hunter Dydle and uh, my co-host Jeremy. What up, brother? We'll be sharing a mic tonight. We got a couple guests here. Real excited to have them. Scott Hogan, how's your day been? Steve. 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 Excuse me. Been busy. Been busy. I feel ya. I just moved in this new house, and I, uh, the 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 basement gives a new life. New life. The studio. <laughs> I'm looking forward to finishing. Right over there, I'm going to build a hunting room, so I'm really excited about that. Yeah. We just got to kill a bunch of ducks this year so we can get some hanging from the scene. Sounds like pheasants are the, the way to go this <laughs> year, but honestly. Um, but uh, tell us a little, about, been a little bit about your foundation, Hunter Hogan Foundation. I'm just going to you start it off. Uh, the foundation is in my son's name. Um, it was really started by accident. Uh, HD was offered multiple full ride scholarships, ride bulls and Bronx on college rodeo teams. Um, getting close to him graduating, and he made the decision to join the Marine Corps, as I as I did. Um, we pretty much had a heated conversation the night that he told me that he was going to turn all these schools down, and I'm trying to get him to go and get graduate and if you still want to go go in the marine corps go in as an officer yeah uh, and i've told people that before you know at least live a little better than i did while yeah I was in. um his argument to me was basically our family uh you know we've been involved in virtually every conflict this country's had all the way back to the revolutionary war and he said for me it's not it's not fair uh, while guys my age are fighting in Iraq and Afghanistan for me to go to college rodeo and ride Bronx and drink beer and, and chase girls while that's yeah. going on. He said, I'll regret it the rest of my life. Uh, we talked a little bit more. He ended up enlisting. Uh, he deployed in January of 2012 to Helmand Province, Afghanistan, and he was killed in action on 23 June of that year. Uh, he had just a couple of weeks to go on that deployment. Actually, we were looking at flights to get down to Camp Lejeune, North Carolina, for his return home, and and that didn't happen. Um, the night we received his body at Dover Air Force Base, uh, we all got back to the hotel, my family, his wife, um, and a lot of them talking about, you know, what if he'd I said, you know, he died doing what he wanted to do. We've got to respect that. And I said, how about I call back home to Nebraska and tell him to pass the word. In lieu of flowers, we want to give away a scholarship to a kid going on to college rodeo. We figured we would write one, maybe two checks. Um, to date, I think we have given out 47 $1,000 scholarships. This has transitioned into something more. When we first started, we didn't know what we were doing. They said, you got to have a name. Because as soon as it started, in the, within a month of his, of his uh, funeral, um, they had me on some different big talk shows. I'm not going to go into who, but on some big national talk shows. And uh, I'm like, if we're going to do this, and I, this is why I told his wife, Brittany, I said, get us set up as a 501c3 you know i want people to know where the money's going um that, that it's above the table and and what we're going to do 
So we concentrated the first couple of years on just the scholarships for kids in college rodeo. But I wanted my vision, if we're going to keep doing this, I said, uh, we need to honor the veteran side of our family, too, because there's so many veterans, you know, for 200 years in our family. Yeah. Um, and we we were helping some other veteran groups with money coming in, uh, as well as doing the scholarships. That kept growing and growing. And uh, when did we do the first youth Gold Star Kids turkey hunt? Five years ago? I believe it was 2016 or 2017, okay. those first two years. Um, turkey hunting was one of HD's passions. And uh, we took Gold Star Kids. These are kids that may, as, may have lost a, a parent either in Iraq or Afghanistan. Uh, started taking them on the spring turkey hunts. These kids walk away with about five grand worth of stuff. Um, it is, it's huge. <sighs> that's, yeah, that's something incredible. Um, um, I, it's crazy, the compassion that you've managed to, I guess from my, hearing your story, I guess, he, hearing the amount of compassion um, that's come out of the tragedy rather than bitterness, that's, that's something that, takes a pretty strong strong human being and a strong family well uh you know we had a choice we can sit and wallow in our poor family's pity with this tragedy um i think for me especially what drove me was the night we received his body at dover uh as they're unloading his body with some other marines there was three more planes full of dead waiting to land other people told me four and you've got that many families lined up. They're picking you up in a shuttle bus, driving you to the tarmac. They're unloading the caskets. You get back on the bus. They drive you back to the building. But as you're going past that building, it's about 200 yards long of windows. And it was just families lined up waiting for their turn to go out. Um, in, in what has happened with us as a, as a Gold Star parent, um, I consider myself very lucky, lucky in the fact that uh, there was nothing left unsaid between me and HD. Um, I don't have any of the regrets that a lot of family members do. I wish I wouldn't have said this. I wish I wouldn't have done that. I wish we'd have went ahead and took this trip together. You know, there was none of that for me, and uh, seeing their pain, um, you know, it's like. What can we do to help them out? Uh, initially, we focused just on Gold Star. I mean, we've gone as far as, was it a year or two years ago, Josie, that we had uh, Gold Star kids, and we also had kids of fallen law enforcement and firefighters on that youth turkey hunt. Um, so we still, still, Gold Star kids, veterans' families come first with our hunts. Um, after that, we'll take any first responder families. It's just been a great way to turn a, turn a negative into a positive. Um, the, a, a book came out about Hunter's life, and that boosted our notoriety or recognition or whatever. Um, and it's opened more doors for us. Um, a little over a year ago, I had some opportunities come my way um, that I had to make a decision immediately for the foundation, um, resign my position at my job, I'm doing some, th you know, some weapons training stuff on the sides, but 
the main focus is just doing the foundation because we would have opportunities like like we were talking before we started this podcast guys would call hey would you be interested in bringing some vets out blah 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 and i was always too busy and and having to say no and knowing that could have been one more veteran we could have helped that could have been five veterans we could have helped yeah so i rolled the dice and definitely not making the money that i was um but uh keeping the smile on my face with what we're doing yeah absolutely just from a veteran's perspective in yourself, what does it mean for someone to take you out into the outdoors, and how do you think that affects the other veterans? Uh, I can tell you, for me personally, um, my, my first elk hunt, uh, five, six years ago, we had a two-day event for the foundation, a bull ride and a benefit dinner, and I decided to split the profits with another veteran group, Base Camp 40 out of Western Colorado, fantastic people. Um, when it was all said and done on Sunday after the benefit dinner, uh, the guy that ran base camp 40 came up and he's like, Hey, we would like you to go on a, on a gold star dad's fishing trip to Lake Powell. And I'm like, you know, find another gold star dad, you know, somebody that, that really deserves it more than me. And we argued and, and he said, you don't get it. He said, I want you to come out and, and kind of be a mentor star dads fast forward to the trip we're out there uh, at the welcome dinner before we headed to lake powell and that same gentleman's on on the phone and he's looking across at me at the, in this banquet hall and he comes up and he's like what are you doing november 2nd i said uh, probably bow hunting I, I i don't know and he's like you're coming to colorado on a on a trifecta hunt and i'm like what, what the heck are you talking about he said uh it's it's on this private ranch. Uh, it's all not high fenced. It's all wild. Um, but he said you get a bull elk, a cow elk, and a mule deer buck tag. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, you know, find another veteran. Get get a veteran that's really hurting. And he he wouldn't let up. Um, I went on the hunt. Uh, opening morning, I killed my first elk six minutes into the season. That afternoon, I killed a monster mule deer buck. I'd never killed a muley before more than a hundred whitetails i mean this is something that i read about watch on tv i'm never going to be able to afford a twenty thousand dollar elk hunt you know um but on the second or third day i am i used to be pretty much known everybody always thought i was po'd about something because i hardly smiled and from the time i got out of the marine corps it just it's just the way it was uh, and I'm walking past a, a pickup, and I caught the, my reflection in, in the window, and I was smiling. And it kind of shook me because I hadn't seen that in a while. And out loud, I, I said to myself, what the heck are you smiling at, you dumbass? <laughs> and um, truly, after the whole, whole hunt, um, it changed my life. It really did. And for me to be able to, we, we now swap hunts with Base Camp 40. They've had me bring guys out for the SEAL on the mountain hunt. I mean, they've had guys that we're guiding that, that are from SEAL Team 6. Uh, we had a high double-leg amputee uh, that was Force Recon. He got him out, his elk. Being able to see what happened to me and sit back and watch the change with these veterans from day one to day three, to day four, to day five of the hunt. Um, a perfect example uh, of Fallujah, 
Marine uh, single leg amputee I guided last year on an elk and mule deer hunt over in Colorado. Um, in his wife's words, you know, you about had to use a crowbar to pry his mouth open to get him to say hi to somebody. Um, and the best thank you I ever got was from her. We were talking, and um, she said, well, you remember when you met him a couple of years ago and how he was and, and this and that. I mean, you know, you take a guy that has never had to rely on anybody a motivated individual and now I got to have help from my wife to get to the bathroom. I got to, you know, they start feeling useless and you could tell that's where he was. And I swear that's where this 22 a day suicide comes from. Yeah. Um, they just feel like they're, they're in everybody's way. Um, after his hunt, unbelievable. But in talking to her on the phone, she says, uh, you know, there is one thing that, that I'm kind of kind of ticked off at you guys about, and of course, I'm instantly, did I say something? Did one of the guides say something? Did, you know, blah, 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 and she, and I said, you tell me what happened, and I'll do whatever I can to fix it. And she started laughing, and that's when she brought up about him not talking, and she says, now he won't shut up. It's like he's trying to pack 10 years worth of talking into every single day. I ran into him at a double veteran funeral this summer in Colorado, he had grown a big old beard out, and I didn't recognize him. I saw his wife, and she waved, and I started walking over. He turns around and recognized me, and instantly he's yelling, Steve, Steve, and he's pointing at his mouth. Look, brother, I'm still smiling. That's why we do what we do. It's a lot to take in. I mean, even from my perspective, it's one of those things that I, you know, my grandpa was a World War II veteran, but it's hard for me as a person on the outside i really care about veterans but it's also hard for me to put my my feet in those boots that you guys had those war and just the the amount of things that you guys went through so it's it's nice to get a perspective like that due to the fact that i don't have that experience it's nice to at least understand a little bit more what that means um and so going back to where we're kind of going from i kind of went back to the rodeo side how did how did hunter get into rodeo uh, he was maybe four years old and a buddy of mine was starting a junior rodeo association. So, you know, we got him, HD wanted to be involved and you know, he started riding bull calves when he was four or five years old. Um, God, he was probably 12, 13 when he started riding pro bucking horses. Um, and he just ate it up. He, he just loved it. Um, you know, I knew uh, that he had a lot of thoughts about the military. Um, I really didn't know how deep he had thought it out until that his senior year in high school. Yeah. Um, you know, and with the way things were, were going uh, in Iraq and Afghanistan at the time, yeah, that was a scary daggone decision for, for a guy to step up to the plate and, and say, send me. Yeah. Um, you know, another thing about HD, he, uh, in boot camp during the crucible, uh, it's like a three-day mini hell week, um, on the very first morning, he blew his knee out, uh, ACL, MCL. Um, they sent him back to med, and as this surgeon is telling him, you're done, you know, you're done, and all HD kept telling him was, I can put some ice on it and go back to my unit, correct, sir? And that's all Hunter kept saying to him. Finally, they let him go back, 
and he got through the crucible with a blown out knee. I don't know how he, I, I honestly don't know how he physically did it. Um, so they reconstructed his knee and basically the Marine Corps was going to give him a medical discharge and he wouldn't have any of it, anything of it. Um, and he fought like hell, uh, to get back in shape. Um, he ran quite a few PFTs in one week, you know, to prove to him that he, he could go on. Uh, from there, he went to the School of Infantry, 29 Palms for Desert Warfare School. Uh, he went through quite, uh, quite a few different schools at Camp Lejeune before he deployed. And yeah. uh, I mean, he was hardcore. Um, my thing with that, how many guys nowadays knowing, oh, I'll get a medical discharge and I'm going to get this money every month for the rest of my life. That wasn't for HD, but how many guys would have taken that easy road? And he never did. Uh, I mean, that kid uh, broke his neck rodeo, and he broke his neck in Salina, Kansas, and killed an absolute monster deer about 11 days later. Um, you know, he wasn't supposed to be doing anything. The craziest thing was the school had me homeschooling. Mean, that's a little dangerous. But, um, you know, we took him out. He had a 45 long colt lever action because it had no recoil, that's what I gave him. Set him down by a tree, beautiful spot in the Hoosier National Forest in southern Indiana, and shot this monster drop time. So, um, you know, he just, he never backed down from anything. Yeah. And it does, it sounds like a dad bragging, and I've said it more than once, with different jobs and different things, different guys I've been around. I've been been around some rough boys my whole life. Yeah. Um, and pound for pound. He's the toughest guy I ever met. Yeah, actually, so Josie and I had connected even a couple weeks ago about it, and I, you know, I listened to other podcasts you were on, and um, I, I think a similar story got um, brought up. And the funny part was I was doing legs today, and I was sitting there doing legs, and I was thinking about the podcast and what I wanted to talk about and stuff, and I was like, you know, I so I played soccer in college, and like thinking about blowing out a knee. Like that, and managing to continue—that's that—that's a lot. And I mean, I I had a couple injuries when I was in like my sophomore year, and like thinking about doing something like that is just—that's nuts. I mean, honestly, that's—it's not—it's not a brag because that's not something that someone normally does. Yeah. So it's McPain, your friend. That's what he always said. McPain, your friend. Oh boy. <laughs> I mean, when I walked into the emergency room in Kansas when he broke his neck, and I had to be the one to tell him he had a broken neck, two big alligator tears ran down the side of his face. And I'm thinking, okay, he's about to have a meltdown. And he, he looked up at me, and, and all he, the tears were from, he says, uh, when can I ride again? Mm. I'm like, dude, you, you just broke your neck, <laughs> you know. Um, yeah. And he did ride again. He Got on a pro bucking horse uh, two months and three weeks after he broke his neck. He was riding I'm, again. I'm sure the doctor loved that. Yeah, um, I'm sure. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> that didn't go over well. But. No, he just seems like a guy. If anything else, I would say from everything I've heard, Hunter's like one of those guys that just, if when he was on a mission, that nothing was going to get in his way. Yeah. When he, like, when he had his mind set up, a goal set up, that was just it. And that, I mean, it's one of those things I could, you know, I'm working on becoming a parent, you know, in a couple months, but the thought of like having your son making a decision to go in the Marine Corps, it's like, 
it's almost one of those things where you want to stop it, but you know you can't. It's just one of those things. And I see something that, that's in you, that servant, the servant heart and servant attitude is one of those things like you're just like, can, can, can you just put it somewhere else or in some way else? But he just, yeah. he was focused on a mission, what is, which is incredible. I mean, and that's the other thing too. You've managed to see that in his heart and then take that and put it in your foundation. And so it's incredible. With our foundation, you know, people, oh, what you and your family have done. Honest to God, it's not me and my family. It's, it's people like you guys sitting around this table yeah. that have heard the story, saw a little bit, or been involved with something that we have done. And that's how it's grown so rapidly. Yeah. Um, we have been blessed to be surrounded by some fantastic people. I just see, a, I guess I would say, like in your story, I hear the one thing about the tragedy of Hunter and everything that went on is like you've given it direction and there's a lot of great Americans, a lot of great veterans that have managed to take that direction and walk along with it. And the, the idea is that Hunter had that mission. You managed to create out of a tragedy a mission that Hunter would have wanted and now everyone else is willing to pick up that, that stick and continue to walk for him. Yeah. And that I'm sure that <laughs> I, I feel like it's one of those things. It's like, you just got to nod your head and said, you know, thank God. You yeah. Know? It's one of those things. It's pretty incredible. So, um, tell me a little more about your, the, uh, some of the rodeo, uh, scholarships you managed to get out and some of the people that you've managed to meet through your rodeo family. Oh, we have had, uh, we have given out, heck, I gave out a, a rodeo scholarship uh, to a bull rider here in Nebraska that's originally from Hawaii this year. Wow. Um, we got to give a Bronx saddle to another kid uh, that's a bull rider from Hawaii and wanting to get into saddle bronc riding. We're at a concert for veterans on the Grand Mesa in southwest Colorado, and this man comes up to me out of nowhere, and he says, tell me about these rodeo scholarships, and we get to talking. And he said, uh, my brother rode saddle bronc, and uh, he said he got killed in a car wreck about 20 years ago, but I still have his saddle, I have all of his gear, and I don't know what to do with it. Will you find a kid to give it to? So I got to present this kid from Hawaii out in western Nebraska with a Saddle bronc, saddle, all the gear. That's the kind of things that just tend to, to drop into our laps all the time. Um, the scholarships for the kids to apply for a scholarship, and this goes all the way back to when we first started, we were like, how are we going to do this? And HD's widow, Brittany, says, well, we can make them write an essay on, on what being an American means to them. So what they have these kids do, they have to write us a, an essay on – what the sport of rodeo means to them and what being an American means to them. And I'm telling you, man, you go through some of these. I've got one of those huge plastic coffin-sized totes full of, of essays from kids all over the United States. And, and I, I've said this a lot, and I'll say it again. We want to doubt our youth in America, and that's because of all the crap news and the social media. And um, There's a lot of good kids in this country. Yeah. And uh, all you got to do is reach in that box and randomly pull anyone out and, and read them. Um, the kids that have got these uh, are very deserving. Actually, the best essay we ever got was from a, a young man named Cody Devers. 
Cody rodeoed in the national finals rodeo this past year in Las Vegas. Um, he had a separated shoulder steer wrestling and still tried to con- con- continue to compete. Finally had to draw out, I think, in the third or fourth round. But for a guy to have that much heart, I mean, there's no way he could even raise that arm to brush his teeth. And he's going to go off a horse at 35 miles an hour and, and try and, and uh, knock a 600-pound steer down. That's heart. And that seems to be pretty much the norm for the kids that apply for our scholarship. So That's pretty incredible. Have you guys ever thought about putting on, just spitballing, because I'm thinking, have you ever thought about putting on like a rodeo camp for uh, Gold Star kids? Um, I've done a rodeo camp at a Christian camp. Uh, this was a few years before HD. Um, it's going to have to be the exact right setup. We've had different people talk to us, and I, and I know a lot of big rodeo guys that would jump on board. The thing nowadays, you, you have to watch the liability. Yep. You're going to get hurt rodeoing. It's not if but it's when and how bad yeah and um i'm not ready to put the foundation in that position right now yeah. i would love to something simple roping that kind of thing uh, of course we're not going to put them on horses um you know because you'll have a lot of kids never been on a horse never been around a cow never been you know you know a lot of the little ones will put them on sheep at the start of a bull ride mutton busting and that was pretty funny with HD when he was, because <laughs> he, when he joined the junior rodeo, the kindergartners that year, I think they had to ride sheep, ride sheep, and he did it a couple of times. And we were on the way home, and I could tell he was mad. He wasn't talking to me, and I'm like, "You won today. What's what's the problem? I ain't riding stinking sheep. I'm a bull rider. You know, five years old. He's a bull rider. So we moved him up, and he." Actually won the state buckle riding against kids three years older than him that that year. Um, you know, he always he there were no boundaries with that kid. He gotcha. touched it all. Yeah, just let me know. I know that I I don't have a lot of connection with the rodeo, but uh, my wife's brother rodeoed up until college, and we know the former UNL rodeo coach. So, if you guys ever want to think about doing that, she actually. Or my wife actually has a rodeo arena out at the house, back behind their house. So if you guys ever think of that, let me know because I mean, we are. It's that. we are. It's just one trying to find the time, and two making sure that the kids are as protected as we can possibly get them. It is rodeo. Yep. You're going to get banged, bruised, broken bones. <laughs> it's it's part of of the daggone sport. But uh, you know, it's it's definitely not something we've ruled out. And definitely has been something we've discussed. Yeah, absolutely. No, it's just, I agree. It's one of those <laughs> fun yeah, I, I've had guys, we'll build you an arena, <laughs> okay? You know, you can have families out here, blah, 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 but we just haven't haven't bit that one off yet. I think we just need to buy some bubble suits. And just yeah. Run them in bubble suits <laughs> and see what happens. Still not going to work. <laughs> but. No, I agree. That's that's pretty incredible. Um, I mean, honestly, it's, it's cool. So... Uh, I got this in front of me. I know that's something you brought up, something we want to talk about. Talk about your golf scramble here coming up the 17th. Um, the, and it's kind of cool. Uh, this will be our eighth golf tournament. 
uh, and actually the 17th is HD's birthday. He would have been 32 this Saturday. Last year, it fell on the 20th anniversary of 9-11, and we parachuted wounded veterans into the golf course to start oh, the morning. Wow. We do some pretty crazy stuff at that golf course. Um, we're not doing it this year, but most years we do a helicopter golf ball drop, um, and it's all money. It's our biggest turned into our biggest fundraiser uh, for the foundation. And the sad thing is, is I fought our committee tooth and nail for two years. I'm not doing a golf tournament. <laughs> All our friends are military and rodeo guys. And nobody's going to come to this dang thing anyway. Yeah. And one of our committee members, avid golfer, constantly in tournaments. And we were having a meeting at my house one night. And he said, I want to start with talking about a golf tournament. And I said, I'm like, don't waste your breath. It ain't happening. He said, just let me have the floor and let me talk. He said, I found a way for you to do this, that you'll be on board with it, or however he put it. Anyway, this golf tournament he had played in the weekend before, um, they made up rules on every hole. And I'm like, what? So he gave me some examples. Some of the things that we've done, one of the fun ones pre-COVID, um, every hole is military or rodeo themed. Pre-COVID on hole number one, you've got 100-plus people standing there watching you tee off. Uh, we made them tee off wearing a Marine Corps gas mask. <laughs> Try and hit a golf ball with a gas mask on. Yeah, People bet. falling down, that kind of stuff. Uh, we have one hole you got to wear bull riding spurs and a bull riding vest. Um, the hole that everybody loves, there's a long par five, and your tee shot is with an AR-15 with a golf ball launcher on it. And I've got high-powered blanks. Depending on what kind of golf ball you have, it'll shoot at three to 400 yards straight down the fairway. And it basically turns into a rock concert on the golf course. Um, this thing has just grown and grown. Um, this year, it's a nine-hole four-person scramble. Uh, as of yesterday, we had like 120 people signed up. Jeez. Um, followed by a silent live auction, uh, and then the DJ Bridwell Band is putting on a free will donation concert in the parking lot at the golf course that night. Gotcha. Um, so an all-day event. But we have hundreds of people come out uh, from the, the public that aren't there to golf. Um, I've got the Global War on Terrorism tra National Traveling Wall is going to be there. And if you've never seen it, it's something to see. It's 120 feet long, wow. two-sided. One side is just the list of names. And you look at 120 feet, six feet high of names of, of people killed since the war on terrorism started. It, it'll, it'll hit you in the, in the heart. Um, we'll have, we always try and have the disabled veteran truck at all of our events. So we'll have veterans show up either looking for jobs, help with VA claims, if they just, just need somebody to talk to. Yep. Um, we're pretty hypersensitive about veteran suicide. Uh, we had a few this summer after Memorial Day, and uh, I, I just get tired of getting those phone calls. Hey, man, I don't know if you heard about so-and-so, but, uh, and I'm sick of it. Um, and that's the biggest reason we do what we do get the guys out of their house, get them off their couch, show them that there's so many things that they're capable of doing. Um, and then the camaraderie, uh, you know, and Josie, you can speak to this, the, 
the pheasant hunt that we did the last year, we had 23 guys starting. We had 30 by the end of it. We did it in uh, Imperial, Nebraska. And to where these guys are, you know, it's every branch of the service, um, but it's a brotherhood. And, and guys can basically spill their guts, what's bothering them, what makes them happy, you know, whatever. Just giving each other a hard time and ribbing the hell out of each other, too. Yeah. Um, that's that's what we're all about. Yeah. Know? No, I agree. I'd, from somebody on the outside looking in, um, it was I, I gotta, it's something I touched on. I, I had a buddy that, or one of my really close buddies that, you know, like we talked about before we got started, was in Bagram and to see all the things that happened in Afghanistan, and that really takes a, a huge toll on guys. And there's a lot of guys that, you know, are veterans. I list this podcast, man. It's, it's a lot to take in for everything they fought for and to see it kind yes, of sir. just go sideways and kind of just go back to where it was. It's really hard for them to, to work through that. Yeah. And just, you know, if anybody's listening – Obviously, at this point, man, if you're a veteran and need somebody to talk to, I don't have the experience. I'd be glad to sit there and listen to you as long as you need. Steve, Josie, Jeremy, we're all here. So if you don't like me, then you got three <laughs> other guys to talk to. <laughs> but but honestly, man, if you're even at that point um, or need somebody to talk to, reach out to one of us. So I do kind of want to dive in that just because it's an experiential thing and you've been kind of through that. Walk me through kind of – the, the mental aspects of veterans and their hardship when they come home and just, uh, you know, outside of that, I know injury is a part of it, but how's the mental side of it? The, the mental side of it, uh, you know, I, you eventually try and just box it up and, and that's the worst thing you can do. Um, yeah. Is, is box it up, put it on that shelf in the back of your head. Because um, one day that box is going to come apart. Yeah. And it will. It, it, it will. And when it does, it's it's pretty damn ugly. Um, you know, we, we do a lot of uh, what I call calm checks. A lot of the Army guys, what you guys call it, buddy, buddy checks. I don't even know. Kind of thing. Um, you know, we'll send out a text message. And it may hit 20, 30 guys. Calm check. That's it. Everybody yeah. checking in. Hey, I'm okay. Or you'll get a call off to the side. Hey, bro, um, I've been struggling the last few weeks. Nightmares, you know. Yeah. Lost my job, whatever. Um, the hardest thing, especially for guys that are just combat arms MOSs in the military, and they come back, you know, you're proud of, of what you did. I mean, that's that's a bitch of a life yeah. uh, that, that that man or woman lived. And uh, you try and put that down on a resume. Well, uh, I'm good with explosives. I'm, you know, yeah. it, it, it doesn't fly in the civilian world. And, and that's why they struggle getting jobs. Then they feel worthless. Then they feel like uh, they're having backs turned on them. You know, I did all this for my country and I can't even get a damn job. Um, that's where, and then that it just starts snowballing between everything else that they've got going on, whether it's survivor's guilt, that's probably the biggest thing. Um, and I've seen that with a lot of HDs guys. Um, yeah. You know, we had uh, 
17 or 18 of his guys were out at my house a few years back after a bull ride and we're out by the horse corral drinking beer and and it was so negative um all of them blaming themselves uh for hunter hunter's death and and uh hunter's team leader geno mills was killed the night before um hunter was killed and i finally i was like you know uh, enough i said you know when i got out of the core i walked around with two five gallon buckets full of anger for over 20 years and the the thing that you guys need to focus on and what gino and hd would want is live for me brother you know i may be gone don't let it drag you down the pipes live your life for me and uh, we we kind of try and push that aspect because it's true um you know you're doing nothing but respecting him by by the more you do and the better that you do the way i look at it and the way most of our vets on our on our committee um they're all like that we've got uh we've got a young man that was uh in one of the hardest hit marine battalions in afghanistan they had 135 wounded and 25 killed in action and he lost his leg uh, if he's got jeans on, you'd never know he's missing his leg, and by God, you better be running to catch up and keep up with him. Um, a guy that has every reason to be negative, and he's one of the most positive men you'll ever meet in your life. It doesn't even make sense. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. He's uh, he's just that way. Well, uh, basically, I think he laid in Walter Reed for about six months, um, and finally one day he yelled at the nurses this is the kind of guy he is kind of yelled at his nurses go get every doctor that's in the hospital today that works on me get him in here right now and i'm sure they're thinking suicide you know get, that, that's just at the forefront and when they came in he said cut my leg off cut it off today and they're like we're trying to regenerate the nurse well, he said if you cut my leg off today i get to go home in 30 days and i can get on with my life and that's by god what they did and uh, <laughs> How's that for heart? Yeah. Um, and that's what I mean. We're lucky with the people that we're surrounded with with our foundation. Uh, guys like that. And it's not just one guy like that. Yeah. It's dozens. Um, yeah. Just on a, just curious, on a personal level, and obviously, like, being a part of your foundation, taking guys on hunts, what's a good way for anybody, you know, like me that has veteran buddies to help support them on, a, like, a day-to-day or a monthly basis in order to help them where they're at. Contact, whether it's a text message, a phone call, hey, how's your day? My day's like crap. Hope you're having a you know better day. Um, the one thing I will say is never, never pity them for the mental and or physical condition that they're in. That's the worst thing that, that they can have. Um, on my veteran elk hunt, the, the hunt that changed me, the other veteran was an Army vet missing an arm, and he had the, the claw-type hand because um, he, he raised cattle and he needed something that he could get more pressure. Well, they're all, everybody in camp, dancing around him, and, and you could tell it was just making him uncomfortable as could be. And, uh, um, oh, God, I've, it's going to take me a minute to remember what I started calling started the story and now i'm gonna forget oh 
he said something, and, and they said, oh, no, and they said his name, and I said, oh, that isn't his name. His name's Captain Hook. And he spun around and looked at me like, you know, blah, 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 and, and we just went at it, and we're laughing, and a couple of days later, and when we get done, I'll show you the picture because you will puke when you see this muley. He got on a non-typical, mm. absolute, giant, record book mule deer, he was he needed to shoot left-handed he was hunting with a right-handed bolt and he forgot to load around into the chamber and in the video you can hear click mm. i got back to camp and i'm like hey where's where's he at did he did he get his deer this morning and they showed me the video and i'm like oh my god and they say he's sitting way out there on that berm glassing the mountainside I walked out there and knelt down, never said a word to him, and I just got out my binoculars, and we kept looking. And he said, I just want to go home. And I said, brother, you're not going anywhere. And I said, we were given this opportunity to be here for those that can't. And he said, I know we're lucky to be here. There's a lot of other vets. And I said, I'm not talking about the other vets that could have come on this hunt, and I just pointed to the sky. And his whole attitude, demeanor changed. He's like, you're exactly right. And I said, let's get this done, blah, blah, blah. Long story short, he ends up killing a really nice muley, not the non-typical. But the next morning, I walked into the breakfast room, and he had a laugh that only one person would have. And he was cutting up. And they said, oh, Steve, you missed it. He just said, blah, blah, blah. And, and I said, that's not his name. They called him Captain Hook. By then, they were all calling him. Captain Hook, and uh, he's, I said, that's not his name, and they said, what? And I said, his name's Captain Click, and, <laughs> no. and that guy's head almost went down into his plate, and he's like, oh my God, that is just unmerciful, <laughs> but, you know, cutting up and giving each other a hard time like that, um, letting them know that you can't take everything so serious. Um, you got to get some humor in your life. And it took me a lot of years to, to realize that. I was an unhappy, not a fun guy to be around, basically, for a lot of years. Um, and like I said earlier, for me now to, when I saw what happened to me and, and good old Captain Click uh, and our hunt, and it changed both of our lives, um, and now to be able to take other veterans that you can tell they were, they're in the same boat that we were in at that moment and then watch them at, after a week of, of being out on one of these hunts, even if they don't get anything. Uh, the experience of being outdoors, seeing the wildlife, having opportunities and the strategy of it and, and keeping their minds active and um, watching that change happen to other guys is, is really what keeps me going. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's it's crazy. I mean, the level of peace you get outdoors is just crazy. I've I've had a lot going on, especially at the house and everything. And we went dove hunting, and it was like it it was a game changer. And I can only imagine what it would be like for them. It just it's just one of those things you just enjoy an a nice ah, deep breath. Yeah, yeah. 
and it's it's one of those things where it's just you can't you can't explain that to somebody until they experience it for themselves exactly so you right. get them like in that situation then they get it and then you get doc like you got it in and you're like yep yeah <laughs> Well, that's you know, crazy. How many of these guys that have, you know, a year down the road reach back out to me? Hey, if you ever need anybody to help with one of your hunts, I'd love to come just help. Yeah. And to hear that kind of stuff, that's when you know we're we're doing things mostly right. Yeah. Mostly right. We we learn every year um, with the different things that we do. I mean, Josie, you look back to the first turkey hunt to this year. We had four kids that killed eight birds in a day and a half. Um, and that, that was pretty awesome. You know, and these kids are going home with shotguns with their name engraved on it and uh, turkey calls with their name engraved on it. I mean, they're walking away most years with 3500 to $5,000 worth of gear, which is pretty cool. And with the youth, hopefully, you know, hunters are – dropping off hunter numbers are dropping off every year and if we don't teach these kids that it's it's okay and it's it's part of um conserving our wildlife um you know not all this negative stuff that's in the media you know i won't go there because we talk on that till tomorrow night still not cover Uh, everything trust me (laughs) (laughs) i know i listen to like two or three podcasts of almost almost a day about politics so and everything yeah i yeah trust me i'm there with you (laughs) (laughs) oh man it's yeah it's craziness and that's a part of the podcast and obviously part of our mission is trying to get kids and trying to get youth out and just new hunters in general it's one of those things that i don't want to say like our type of life this type of life is dying but a part of that is once you get two or three generations removed as someone that's never even experienced it, that's one thing switch and some, you know, it's, it's almost turns into a, like a negative moral thing where it's like, I can't believe you're killing a Turkey, but then they'll eat chicken. It's like, yeah, it's, it's one of those <laughs> things for us. It's just like, you you shake your head at it, but for them it makes total sense, but it's just like, well, like with the youth hunts, that's something that we've started doing uh, is if it's a gold star kid, we'll always tell the surviving parent, you're more than welcome to come out to the field with us. Yeah. Uh, please come with us. This, if it's a veteran that's living and we're taking their kid, we have the veteran go. I mean, this year we had, you had the group that the little girl's grandfather Grandpa. went. Go ahead, tell what happened with her. That was incredible. Well, he, he was mainly a goose hunter. And I don't know if he's ever turkey hunted really before, but he would, he started calling us coyotes because we got her on four birds in a day and a half. <laughs> I mean, we had one hiccup on the very first one, but we got that figured out shortly. And he was so excited that he went out and went to the sporting goods store in Grand Island, went out and killed himself a turkey the day after they got back. <laughs> he was so excited. It was it's amazing to see. And to see the relationship between that grandpa and that daughter just grow together like that i mean that's what our foundation's all about in my mind is just yes, growing, growing relationships like that giving something for people to share together well that's the biggest thing i, I guess i would say and the, the thing that i from an outsider's perspective of your foundation the thing that i continue to hear is a community and like seeing you manage to build a community and connections between people it just it's it's heartfelt is what i'm trying to say it's 
it uh, it kind of pulls your heartstrings a little bit, I guess I would say. Yeah. And the other side is like managing to create so much positive out of something that's so tragic. It's it's hard to fathom in a lot of in a lot of ways, but it's also pretty incredible. So. Josie, tell me a little bit how you managed to get connected and how you managed to become part of the foundation. Well, uh, I was in the Marine Corps Reserves, and I checked in my unit the month before HD was killed. And I didn't know Steve then, and I didn't have the opportunity to go out and be a part of that funeral. But later on, a couple years later, I somehow came across Steve again, and uh, it was at a volleyball tournament met Steve, and uh, he just was so entertaining and whatnot. I decided that the next month or two, I believe, was the a golf scramble, and I told him I'd come out and help with that, and, and we did. And ever since then, I like hanging out with him and Jordan and Joel, and that's where we've been ever since. I mean, he asked me to guide on the first uh, turkey on the foundation did. I think it was actually 2018. And uh, after trudging around in the woods with this 16-, 17-year-old kid, and, like, seeing, like, him do all the stuff and, you know, get all excited when a turkey's 200 yards away and start shaking, you know. <laughs> and, like, seeing, like, that brought me back to my first experience and seeing that in someone else. It's just, it, it changes the game. I'd way rather try and get a, someone new on, on, uh, on, in on this sport versus go out and kill my limit because it's just so exciting to see someone else do it. So... And that's how I met Steve, and I've been with him ever since. About 2016 is when I jumped in with him. Jeremy, Jeremy gives me crap a lot of times because I'm getting to that point where I just, I'm getting to the point where I care more about my dog going out and right. you know, like hunting, and he's just like, I still want to kill stuff, and I'm just like, all right, I'll let my go dog, my dog, go get it. Like, it's just funny how that works when you make that transition. It's it's just one of those things that just happens when it happens. Mm-hmm. But um, you'd kind of shared with me that you're talking about doing some guiding coming up. Right. What uh, what all are you planning on doing? Well, I've helped with the pheasant hunt last year, and I've done every turkey event we've done for the foundation. we got some other things in the background we're trying to get worked out right now, but I'll save that for a later date. Yeah. But, uh yeah, I mean everything I've ever helped out with the foundation is the guiding and and the and uh, the fundraisers we put on bull rides and and golf tournaments and everything like that. So, gotcha. I was just curious because I know you'd said something to me, and I like I I'd, I'd love to put something together this year. We're the working on is, it. The hard part is time wise for right. me too. So it's just I don't have a lot of time <laughs> time for the kid. Well, the, the, with the kid coming, but mm-hmm. uh, I got yeah. time. We'll definitely talk after this. Yeah, <laughs> it'll work. He heard turkey, and he just got oh, excited. Yeah. Don't even understand. <laughs> but, uh, Jeremy, do you have any questions for him? Uh, questions? I don't know if I have questions. I just sitting here. I'm not going to lie. I'm listening to this whole story, and I, I, I'm really, really kind of fighting some tears here. I mean, I think what you guys are doing is amazing, and I – as sad as the story is, I love what you have taken from your son's life and what it has become. It absolutely, like, that's amazing. I got a cousin on my uh, my dad's side of the family, and his sister's husband. He he uh, got a head injury in Afghanistan, so he's not the same 
Um, so I've seen what some of that damage can be. I mean, I don't know yes. too many super personally other than that, but um, actually there's always been a part of me that has really wanted to get into something like this and to help out as much as I can. I've heard of the the group from Colorado, the base uh, camp yeah, 40. I've heard of them. Uh, I think what they do is fantastic as well. Um, and, and they have got some fantastic people. Mm-hmm. Um, and for us to be able to, sh- to share hunts and they have me bring vets or they bring vets to our hunts and, um, you know, they still do, do their thing, we still do ours, but to be able to, you know, a lot of times with these charity groups, there's it's a lot of nose snubbing. Well, that group does this and that, you know. And I'm like, I'm like, dang it, we're all in this to try and do this, do the same thing. Uh, it's much easier to work with mm-hmm. somebody than work against them. And um, you know, we kind of do. We have our setup basically the same way uh, for veterans. You go to our website. And there's a page there where you can fill out an application. Um, we're going to keep them active in a file all the time um, because we get so many what I'm going to call flash hunts. Josie calls me and says, oh, my God, the ducks are flying into so-and-so mm-hmm. uh, basin. Um, can you get a couple of veterans in two days? We're going to go after them, that kind of a thing. Um, or Jordan could call and say, hey, the bluegills are on the nest up at Calamus. Get some veterans up here on Thursday. We just, we'll be able to just go through the file. And there's also a line on that application. How much notice do you need prior to an event? Um, you know, and we'll just go down the list, calling people. And, and that's kind of how we ended up doing the pheasant hunt last year and having so many guys on that. So uh, if you're a veteran out there, definitely look us up and, uh, fill out an application you never know could be an elk hunt could be who knows what um, I may possibly have and I don't know how that's going to work uh, we may possibly have some outline hunts down in Arizona coming up this mm. fall late fall chasing them on the ground in the snow late season so that hopefully cool. that comes together and we're able yeah. to get that taken care of too but um, yeah so I'm sure you get asked this all the time, but talked about how the vets can find you guys or go to the website, fill out that application. Um, what do you guys do for volunteers? Like, is there a process you guys go through for volunteers? We really don't. Um, it's usually just people calling and going, "Hey, if help? you ever need some help," and I I don't forget. I'll call back and say, hey, remember six months ago you said you might be interested? Well, we have such and such and such and such mm-hmm. coming up. Would you like to be a part of it? And if you can, you can. If you tell me no, no harm, no foul. Mm-hmm. You know, everybody has lives. Everybody's got kids and businesses, and, and it's hard. You know, life nowadays is so fast-paced, and you touched on that earlier. Finding the time. You're getting ready to have a child. I mean, mm-hmm. it's. That's a life-changing experience for you that's about to happen in a few weeks. And uh, you'll really be juggling and trying to balance your time and by the 1st of January. There's, there's something that I, I was out and about today, and I was like, there's a song. Gosh, I think I can't remember the name. The name of the song is Keep the Wolves Away. And 
I'm sure a lot of you know people like country know that one. It's like basically the song is guy worked a coal mine, got sick, got money, and then it's this trant like this low slow transition into him becoming a father, and then him doing that for that child and like thinking about it today. You know, I'm gonna have a baby girl and just like okay, it's my time. You know, to have that kid and to raise it and give it safety and you know it's it's one of those things that especially on a safety aspect it connected that to my the to your your son's story because yeah i keep my kids safe but who keeps this country safe yeah. you know you you talk about wolves and talk about some of the domestic issues it's nothing in comparison to what's out there or what could be happening and so it's it, that 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 one was that one was the hard string for me, that's for sure. Um, but uh, how's uh just as someone either that maybe not ha- doesn't have enough time um, to necessarily give back? What are some other ways somebody can give back financially or connect with you? Um, we are a five hundred one c three. We do take donations. Um, we. We have some groups that will say, hey, um, we're going to donate this money. Um, you know, you take it off on your taxes, but we would like it to go to the youth turkey hunt. Or we would really like like this to go for the scholarships. Um, and we try and do that the best that we can to respect yeah. what they're wanting us to do. Um, you know, we've got uh, our website store, T-shirts, hoodies, canine stuff dog vest, that kind of thing. Um, we have not been able to do it the last couple of years, but um, I'm friends with Daryl Crest. They, he owns SD Tactical, uh, and they have built, a, they used to build us a weapon every year, custom rifles, and if you ever want to see some of them, <laughs> get, up, get up with me. These things yeah. are shooters. Um, we made fantastic money for the foundation selling those, but then I also every year we would take one, and they're expensive weapons. They're not cheap when you get a custom rifle from him. They're not cheap, but they are shooters. Yeah. Um, we would always the foundation would purchase one, and then we would sell raffle tickets, and I would do the drawing the first weekend in December. Mm-hmm. Uh, so somebody every year always got a nice Christmas gift. The last <laughs> two years, they have, oh, my God, to get that phone call, and you just hear them screaming on the other end. Oh, I bet. Um, you know, that was a good fundraiser for us. The last two years, we haven't been able to do that. The way the weapons world is, it's so busy, and they just don't have the time. Yeah. Um, you know, there's a lot of different ways. The, the easiest thing is, you know, make a donation. And, yeah. Uh, let us take some kids hunting, some veterans hunting. Um, you know, we've got a lot on our plate coming up, or I do anyway. Josie and Jordan and them guys are going to be working on putting together some waterfowl hunts. Um, I'm going to try and take some vets on uh, to hunt with a crossbow or a muzzleloader this year for whitetail here cool. in Nebraska. And when we go on these hunts, it's all inclusive. We pay for their license. We pay for ammo. We normally buy camo for them. Um, so it's not it's not a cheap thing that we do. Yep. Um, but the outcome of what we do is fantastic. Um, 
I've got a pheasant hunt coming up with some pretty interesting guys in Pierce, South Dakota. And then in the first part of November, uh, Base Camp 40 has asked me to come back and help guide on the same ranch that I got to hunt on, an elk and mule deer hunt. And I know one of the veterans that we're taking this year is a double-leg amputee. Um, and we've got it done before. And, you know, most people are like, oh, my God, how are you guys going to get it? You know, we figure it out. Yeah. Um, and uh, I feel confident that, that we're going to get their tags filled, too. So yeah. I, I am pumped about this fall <laughs> and what's coming up. Well, sounds good. Well, I appreciate you taking the time, Steve, to sit down with us and talk. Uh, everybody... September 17th, Saturday, Sutton, Nebraska. They're going to have their golf outing. So if you want to help, uh, jump onto the website and uh, get a hold of Steve. Or uh, I'm sure there's a link on there to email, too. So if you want to be yes. involved, that's a good way to do it. Um, other than that, um, yeah, we'll go from there. Guys, thanks for having us. Yeah, appreciate really it. appreciate you helping us get the word out on what we're doing. Yeah, absolutely. So we'll, I'm sure we'll talk more about hunting after this. So. Okay. All right, yeah. guys, have a good night. Cool, cool.